So good to be home, and uh, this is the first time I've been back uh, to preach. We've been back a, a week or two, and I want to um, welcome the visitors and thank you so much for coming along. And if this is God places you in this home, He will show you that this is the place you should be. But having said that, there's some amazing churches in the city too that we partner with. So today I want to speak about being an ambassador of Christ, um, something that maybe we haven't um, shed on for a while, uh, but it goes on the same vein as what we spoke about. The last message uh, I spoke when I was here, um, conducting ourselves uh, in a manner worthy of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was my last message here before I left. It's from Philippians 1, and Paul then lays out in Philippians 2 how we're to conduct ourselves using the example of Jesus Christ, living a life Worthy, not out of obligation, but out of love and obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that our value is not derived from what we do, but who we are. So we function out of a place of authority, out of a place of sonship, out of a place of being a child of God. God loves us, not for what we do, but for who we are. And we need to get this because... Uh, the enemy will always come a, uh, along and try as we step out for God to get us back in our box through ac accusation. And as we've heard today that God has forgiven our sins, past, present, and future. That's not an excuse to sin, but that is a reason to live in freedom under an open heaven with this amazing God that not only loves us and cares for us, but has chosen to partner with us in the gospel. Isn't that absolutely amazing? And uh, I want to read First uh, Peter, 1 Peter 2, 4, 11, and we'll just expand on this a little bit. It says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious, precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You like living stones. I love that the scripture calls us living stones and not bricks. We're not bricks. We are not all the same. Not one stone. You pick up uh, five stones or a million stones from the beach and you can find two that's exactly the same. I think that would go into the Guinness Book of Records. But God made us differently. God gifted us differently. And God wants us to use us as we are and who we are. The church has sometimes tried to make everybody the same. But that's not what God did. God is a creative God. And God created you to touch the world in a very different way to what I will and what others will. God has placed you in circumstances and, and um, walked you through some trials and tribulations so that what you have gone through can be an example and a witness to others because we never walk alone. And I remember when Deborah was going through tremendous trials and we would be in hospital and ICU um, uh, waiting for a transplant and there were many other people in the ICU from Accent, Vancouver General. 
And it gave me an amazing opportunity to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ that I never would have had had we not gone through that situation. To be able to pray for people, to be able to impact them with the love of God. Because I couldn't imagine going through the trials that we have and you have or anybody in this without Jesus Christ alongside of us. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Jesus never promised that we wouldn't have trials and tribulations. In, in fact, in, he says, in this world you will have many troubles, but be of good cheer. He says, I have overcome the world. And he walks us through those trials and tribulations. So you're a living stone created for God. And in verse 6, is the scripture says, See, I lay a, a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, you, to you who believe the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. A stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message which is also what they were destined for. But you, this is talking about us, you are a chosen people, a chosen person, handpicked by God before the foundation of the world. And many people have, and theologians have even said that, well, if God has chosen us, why do we have to witness? Because God knows who he chose. Well, I want to tell you, God has chosen everybody. God so loves the world. He gave his only forgotten son that whomsoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God chooses us, chooses us, and he gives us an opportunity to choose him. And in choosing him, we become the chosen ones. Does that make sense to you? God chooses everybody. But not everybody will choose him because he's given us a free will. He does not want robots. He wants a relationship with us. A relationship. He doesn't want to put a gun to our head. He doesn't want to make us do things. He wants us to do things. So he chooses us. And in us responding to him, we choose him. And through that, we become the chosen people of God. Isn't that an amazing romance, a divine romance? You choose your partner, uh, you ask her to marry your, your girlfriend, you ask her to marry you, and she says no, well, then she's not the chosen one. You can chase her around the whole, her whole life and say, you're the chosen one, you're the chosen one, and you'll become less chosen every time you do that. <laughs> but the one, if she chooses you, then she becomes the chosen one. So we're all chosen. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ today, He has chosen you. And He wants a relationship with you, a personal relationship with you. And, um, and at the end, we'll give you an opportunity to maybe respond to that. A chosen people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. If this doesn't give us security, that you may declare His praises... That's why we praise Him. Wasn't the worship awesome today? I absolutely loved it. Uh, praises of Him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, 
but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. Live such good lives. Now this is an ambassador talk. Live such good lives amongst the pagans, which are amongst the sinners, amongst unbelievers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. The way we live our life has a direct impact on people around us, whether we know it or not, especially when we stand up and say, we are Christians. And it's through our good deeds, through serving them, through loving them, through caring for them, their hearts are softened, and when their hearts get soft, that creates an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can come and seed can be planted in their hearts. It takes a long time sometimes. It can take a life, lifetime. But the Word of God says that people should know that we are Christians for our love, for one another for, and for God. First for God and then for each other. And people will respond to that. When they see us loving and caring them, regardless, they will begin to glorify God. And poor Ephesians chapter 2 reminds us that we are God's workmanship. We are created God. We are precious stones, holy and set apart, a workmanship of God, saved by grace through faith, not by our own efforts or works, so that no one can boast. In other words, we do not earn our salvation. We cannot earn our salvation. If we could, it wouldn't be a free gift. We receive our salvation by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. We put our faith in Him. We acknowledge Him as our Lord and Savior. And we are saved by grace through faith. But with this tremendous privilege comes a huge responsibility. A responsibility. And Jesus lays out this responsibility just before he's ascending in heaven. He says, the reason that you're here, my disciples, and we're all disciples, is that so that you can go and take my message. And he says, all authority, Matthew 28, 18, in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's Jesus Christ. Therefore, I'm sending you in my authority. I'm sending you with me. I'll never leave you or forsake you. We'll see that. And he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. The wonderful thing about nations now is we used to need to go to the nations, and we still do, but the nations are coming to us. I think of, our, um, of, Malis- of the um, Vancouver Island University. I think the percentage of, um, of uh, students from overseas would be, what? Would anybody know? 20%. Sorry? 20%. 20%. And what would that work out in numbers about? We've got a 2,000 students, five minutes, 10 minutes away from here, 
from all over Asia, Africa, the continents. Ten minutes ago, and we want to get on a plane and go to China, and that's wonderful, but we can get on a bus and go make disciples of the nations just down the road. Church, we need to see this like this. We need to see that God has given us a mission field. And it's not through words, it's through deeds that we create a bridge that God can work out. The world is tired of the church telling them what to do. The world wants to see the church showing them what to do, how to live a life set apart for Him. And He has He's given us authority and He's given us the power of His Spirit to do that. To make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Tyron asked at the equip, what is Jesus' love language? What is Jesus' love language? Obedience. Jesus' love language is obedience. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. Teaching them to obey. But this is what we do. We say, I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to try my best to love Jesus. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this and do this. I'm going to pray and do all of these things. And halfway through the first day, we're already wiped out the second day. And by the third day, so oh, I obviously don't love Jesus. And that's a lie from the, the, the pit of hell. You see, the way to love Jesus is to fall in love with Jesus. Once we are in love with him, once we spend time with him, once we get to know him, it's out of that revelation of his love for us and our love for him that our lives are changed. So we will automatically want to serve him if we love him. It's not out of obligation, or if you love me, well, you obviously don't love me. Listen, we all sin, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we more than likely do it every day, all day, not on purpose. But the standard of the law is very high. And Jesus set a a standard even higher when he said, even if you think a thought, you sin. And he said that not to to push us down. He said that to tell us that we cannot save ourselves. He said that to say it's impossible, but He can. And He he has forgiven us. And when we come daily, we come into His throne room, and He forgives us. But out of that, if it's all a one-way relationship, Lord Jesus, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? What can you do for me? Somewhere along the line, that has to change. Lord, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? Lord, I want to love you more. So out of a relationship of love, we begin to operate in obedience. It's automatic, because not because we have to, but because we want to. And when we fall, he's still there for us. Amen? Teaching them to obey. And then he says, I am with you to the very end. He never leaves us or forsakes us. David Livingston, you've heard this before here, but it's such a profound quote. He's an amazing man that uh, discovered the source of the Nile and mapped out uh, a lot of Africa. And he he was um, commissioned by the king of England 
to do this. And on his return, because he had found the source of the Nile, he was very famous. And, and uh, he was put on a huge pedestal as a great explorer. And he penned this after that. He said, if a commission from an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? It's an honor to serve our king. It's an honor, church. We've got to, we've got to uh, change his mind and say, I'm sacrificing and suffering for Jesus, because that sort of sounds like we're doing him a favor. No, it's an honor. He sacrificed all for us. Amen? So these are wonderful, sobering things to consider, especially in the context of being called to be ambassadors, which means we represent Christ in word and deed. And I have this quote, and it's an anonymous quote. I didn't know who wrote it, but it once again spoke to me. It says, if our life could be our message... As children of God, we are called to be the hands. Our life should be our message. As children of God, we are called to be His hands and feet. We are called to be servants of all. And the greatest weapon we have is love. Love for God, love for each other, and love for mankind. And this is where the rubber hits the road, church. The example we set as followers of Christ has a direct impact on the people around us. And the question I ask myself is, do I represent Christ well? Don't look at the negative. Look at this as a positive. Do I represent Christ well? When I'm in the marketplace and when I'm doing my thing, do, do, do I, is there, can people see a difference between me and the world? Not judging them, but loving them. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 uh, 5.17 to 21, Paul writes about being an ambassador. And it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You are a brand new person. Your sin nature has been killed. It died on the cross with Jesus. And when we accept him, we are no longer the same. We no longer have the same issues. Because Jesus has set us free. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, Colossians says, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. We need to live free. We need to see people set free by the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel that can break sin and transform us. We shouldn't need to walk with a limp the whole time. If we fully understand what Jesus Christ did, we fully understand that we have been forgiven and that God loves us, that we've had nothing to do with it, but in that we can walk in freedom and liberty, knowing that He has rescued us, knowing that He has set us free, and knowing that we are a brand new creation. And therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says this, Paul goes, all of this is from God. In other words, we did nothing. He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Through us, we create an atmosphere through our lives. We create an atmosphere not to judge people, 
but to create an atmosphere where we can love them, we can care for them, and we can then speak the truth in love. And that God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Aren't you glad? I'm glad. I have no right to stand up here in my own strength and my own ability, but Christ. Amen? And he has committed to us a message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. This is here. God made him who had no sin, sin for us. Why? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Holy and righteous in God's reign. And I looked up a definition. There are many definitions of what an ambassador is. And that's who we are. We represent Christ. And often the people aren't as mad with Jesus Christ as they are with the church. And we need to look at ourselves, not, not beat ourselves up, but we need to look at us as saying, God, how are we representing you as a body? How are we representing you as individuals? And as an ambassador, an ambassador is a representative of a king whose full-time job is to live for a period of time in a foreign land. This is not our home. We are passing through, Paul says in Corinthians, all of the stuff I'm going through, all of the things that I'm dealing with are light and momentary afflictions because we have an eternal home and it far outweighs all of this. If we live for now, church, we are going to be sorely disappointed because this is a blip on the screen. And God has blessed us, and God has put us here, and God hasn't taken us home here because He loves the city of Nanaimo. He loves 86,000 people in the city. They say they don't know Lord Jesus Christ in one city. In one city. And if we as a people could just grab hold of the walk in humility, walk in love, walk in forgiveness, I'm telling you, we will see the city transformed by the power of the Spirit. No city is too hard for God. In Australia, they say it's too hard. Everything's too hard. Well, nothing's too hard for God. (laughs) Brandon, he knows that he was there. So this is the scary thing, and I hope this encourages us in the end. As an ambassador of Christ, we either represent or misrepresent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's a sobering thing. See, Jesus never misrepresents himself. He's never changed. He's the same yesterday and forever. His love is constant. His forgiveness is constant. His uh, righteousness is constant. And we are hidden in Christ. And when people go up there, do they see and can they feel a difference about us? That we love them and care for them. So let us purpose in our hearts to represent Him well in both word and deed. This is a very simple message. Let us purpose in our hearts to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Let us build relationships outside of the church. 
and, rep rep the, and represent the desires of the king. People don't need to know that they're sinners. How many of you need to know that you sin? How many of you need to know that you're loved? Only me? We need to know that we're loved. You see, love softens a heart. We don't have to do the Holy Spirit's job. We cannot save anybody. How many of you can save somebody? Yeah, Chris, you agree, eh? Well, this is the, I couldn't even save myself. So how can I save somebody else? Jesus Christ saved me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to save your friends. He, I don't care who they are. I don't care what uh, lifestyle they're living. God loves them. God loves everybody. God loves everybody. And God wants to see them set free. He doesn't have a stand of sin is sin. And we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God loves everybody. And that's why he died. He hated sin so much that he killed his son so that we could have life and be set free. And anybody can be set free by the power of the gospel. Anybody. We have faith, have, need to have faith to believe for radical transformation Amen. in a person's life. Not a gradual transformation. God sets free. And God can set you free and set me free anytime. For the gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We don't need any more and we don't need any of this. We need the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we speak as ambassadors of Christ, we need to be careful that we are speaking the truth because we represent Him, and we cannot mess with His truth, because His truth is eternal. But we need to do it in love. And this is a problem, church, in history, and people come for the Crusades, and look what went wrong, and this and all of that. Look, church, I can't be responsible for that. But we can change that. We can change that in the city. We can let people know that they loved and cared for let our light shine before man, Jesus says, so that they can see your good deeds and glorify Father in heaven. So what is a good deed? Jesus says in Matthew 25, he separates the sheep and the goats, and he says to the sheep, come in. The goats, goats go to eternal damnation. Go and read it yourself, Jesus' words. But he says this about the sheep. When I was hungry... You fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was in hospital, you came to me. And he says this, what you did for the least of those, you did for me. Now these are people that don't even know Jesus, but he loves them. And when we do that, it, it, it helps them fall in love with Jesus. We are doing it for Him. And we think it's the big thing. We think it's traveling to Australia and, and doing all of that. And that, that was an amazing privilege. But what are we doing on a daily basis? What are we doing? Are we taking time out with a work colleague that you know is struggling? 
with the lady living next door who's got, who can't mow her lawn. With a cup of uh, Tim Hortons and a donut. Whatever it is. And just being Jesus. Just being Jesus. Just being. And when you're with people, you say, Lord, give me an opportunity. Now, it's very easy for me because I'm a pastor. And that, that's like the Red Sea. It can divide like that, depending where you're at. But I never tell people that. I'm Mike. I'm Mike, and my function is a pastor. And sometimes it will take them a while before they ask me. And then, obviously, it all changes for a while. But you're not like it. Because I don't want them to pick up religion. I want them to pick up that I want a relationship with them, that I can look them in the eyes and talk to them and ask them how you feel. And the Holy Spirit often nudges us. Hey, find that person. Hey, visit that person. That person on the street, stop by. Ask them how they're doing. Pray with them, whatever it is. And we get so busy doing instead of being. Because we are human beings and not human doings. And we become human doings. And when we get sensitive to that and you've and you, and you got a bottle of water and a guy's walking along the, the, the highway or something, more than likely he hasn't, yeah, whatever. Don't just do it for, and you say, hey man, How's this or whatever it is? Jesus doesn't commend preachers for how well they preach. He warns them, <laughs> you better be careful of what you preach. But he commends people for a bottle of water. Isn't that absolutely amazing? And you give that bottle of water and you create an atmosphere in that life where that person through your lifestyle begins to reach out of you. The coffee, whatever it is. It's different cultures. And that person, and you move on. And you think, well, what was that all about? God has a plan for that life. God will put something else, body else in the life. And they may give him, uh, say something, I might reject it. But I tell you, those words are eternal. And when he is about to meet his maker, I bet you, his conversation goes to God. We had a story in here and, uh, uh, with a, a, a gentleman, one of our city councillors that was dying. And we're in a prayer meeting. We just saw it in the newspaper about five years ago. And Johan came to me and said, Mike, maybe we should go and pray for him. And we never knew him. So I said, Johan, if you could set it up, let's do it. Find the wife. Can we come pray for your husband? Well, maybe before he was ill, that wasn't going to be convenient. But she said, absolutely yes. We went there to his home. He's sitting in a chair, and uh, in a rocking chair. And we were talk he started talking. And like many people do um, when they're going to meet, nearing meet, meeting their maker, he was reminiscing on his life. And it was great. It was, he was telling us his story, good, bad, indifferent. 
And about 20 minutes in, I thought, you know, I need to speak to him about his salvation. And I just said, sir, thank, I really appreciate it. But I want to ask you this question. Do you know where you're going if you, when you die? And he said, well, no, not really. I said, do you know Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know of him? And he said this. He says, when I was about 10, now he's in his 80s, or late 70s. When I was about 10, I was at a church camp, or a church camp in, in Alberta, or wherever he grew up, in the prairies. And I made a, a decision then. We're talking 70 years later. That came to fruition. He said, I've never been back to church. I said, do you want to receive Jesus? He said, yes. A few, few weeks later, passed away. His name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Forever and ever and ever. Church, these are eternal things. If people reject us, I wonder if the person at the, at the church camp ever even knew that he had thought of Jesus. More than likely thinking, these kids... What am I doing this for? This is insane. <laughs> Seventy years later, he remembers that, and he accepts Jesus Christ. Isn't that absolutely amazing? One plants the seed, and that is love through good deeds and that. One waters the seed. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and, but God makes, gives the increase. Don't worry about saving people. Worry, worry if you're going to worry about loving people. Am I loving people? But when the opportunity comes and you feel it from the Holy Spirit and they ask you why you're doing this, be bold. Be bold. And they might reject you and they think, oh, geez, that was a failure. You don't know. And you will never know this side of eternity what your words have done. imperishable seed, as an ambassador, speaking the truth according to his eternal word, but in love. And that's where we have sometimes gone wrong. Paul says this to Timothy. Now, Timothy at this stage is overseeing the church in Ephesus. He's in his early 20s. Pretty timid guy, had stomach problems, more than likely from stress. A lot of pastors have stomach problems. Joke. <laughs> and he says this to Timothy. Command and teach these things. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. Guys and girls, I love this church. We're about 50-50 young and old. Isn't that awesome? I love that. But you don't have to wait till you look like me. You can start right now. Because you have the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ in you. So don't let people look down on you. Don't be arrogant either. But set an example, young people and old Set an example, first of all, to the believers. 
Does our speech sound any different to the, to the world? Our language, stuff we put on Facebook. But set an example to the believers in speech. In life, an example in life, in love, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through the prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And he says this, Timothy, young people, old people, be diligent in these masses. Give yourself wholly to them. God is not into casual relationships. He'll love you regardless. But give yourself wholly to God. Get in boots and all. Even when you make mistakes, God is there for him. But rather make mistakes than stay in the boat the whole time. Give yourself wholly, people. Go for it. Go big or ask God to take you home. <laughs> so I assume you're all going big. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone must see your progress. People are watching. People are watching. They want to know. And many people that will go after us the hardest are people that have been hurt by the church. Let's love them. Let's not take it personally. Let's love them. Anybody is welcome. Everybody is welcome. God loves everybody but he loves them enough that he wants to see their lives set free. He doesn't want us to manage people's sin. He doesn't want us to judge people. He wants us to set an example. Set an example in life and in purity and these things. So that everyone can see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. If you come around us long enough, you'll see we are sticklers to doctrine. The doctrine of the church. Persevere in them. It takes perseverance. Because if you do, now this is the scariest part, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are the ones that represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm praying for me, as I've prepared this, I stand here with fear and trembling because I'm not perfect. God's not looking for perfection. God's looking for a heart after him. David sinned much. David did sin, but he, he, when, God, when Nathan the prophet challenged him, he repented. He turned around. He sinned. He broke God's laws. And yet God says, I found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. I want us to be a people with a heart after God. God is not fazed by our mistakes, but let's not think that they don't have a consequence. Mm -hmm. Let's not think that our behavior doesn't have a consequence out there. Because we want us, we are saved, but we want our hearers to be saved too. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Um, if the worship team could please come forward.
Don't worry, I'll be going on a trip soon again. <laughs> I'm joking. You? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Church, um, if we could bow our heads for one moment, and I'd like us to uh, break bread. How we do it, we just ask people to come forward, and you can either take a little cup that's gluten-free, or otherwise a piece of bread and just dip it in the chalice. But if we could just bow our heads for a moment. Church, there's no condemnation. Please, if you're going through the list of things you've done wrong. There's absolutely no value in that. Because there's no future in our past. We walk every day and we come before our God. He forgives us and we walk on. There's no future in our past. So Holy Spirit, I pray that we, instead of looking inward of what we're not doing right, will look upward and see this King of glory, Jesus, who loves us so much, who died for us. He wants us to love Him with all our hearts our minds and our strength. And Lord, we can't do that in our own strength, but we can do that in you. And when we look down, Lord, we, we stumble. But when we look and see you high and lifted up, King of glory, our lives are changed by you from the inside. Lord, we want to stop trying to, to serve you. Stop trying to do the stuff. We want to simply fall in love with you. And out of that, Lord Jesus, everything else will flow. Church, break that striving in Jesus' name. Just receive from God. It's a journey. It may take a while, but spend time with Him. Don't sit at a lake if you don't want to sit in an office. Go for a walk and see God in nature. He's speaking to you. He will speak to you. He's placed us on this island because of His good pleasure. Enjoy it. But enjoy it with Him. The Holy Spirit, I pray you just rain down. Healing. I sense people here have been hurt by others, hurt by the church, and are afraid. And Jesus says, Come to me, all your heavy burden. Put your yoke on me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when you do this, you will find rest for your soul. Just give it to him. Don't try. Don't try, love. Don't try working. That's the devil's playground. 
That's the flesh. Just humbly come to God and say, Lord God, I need you. I can't do this by myself. I humble myself and ask you to help me. And as we do that, he begins to pour out his grace, his mercy, his love. He begins to rekindle that first love relationship. He begins to stir our hearts afresh. And we begin to fall more and more in love with him. And that's all he wants. Is our love and adoration. Because he loves and adores us. And Lord Jesus, uh, as we come to the table today, before we do that, if any of you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, none of this may have made sense to you today. But you know in your heart that God is speaking to you. You can feel his presence. I ask you, if you come with a person that knows Jesus Christ, to speak to them. If you want to become a child of God, forgiven of your sins. And if the person who's brought you doesn't quite know what to do, church, we're a family. Come to one of us leaders. Today is the day of salvation. Don't let this opportunity go by. And if you've been hurt and you've stepped back, open your hands and give that to God. It's killing you. And God wants to set you free. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for taking our sins on the cross for shedding your blood for the forgiveness of our sins, for paying the price, Lord, that we could never pay. We thank you for the free gift that we come just as we are and we can become a child of God. And I thank you for your body that was broken, Lord. I can't imagine the horror and the pain of a crucifixion. I've seen it, but I can't still can't comprehend. And yet you did that. You said in Hebrews 12, for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. And that joy set before you was you knew that we could come back in relationship with our Father God. So we thank you for that and we honor you, Lord Jesus. And as we break bread, just, just take your time. Think back to when God saved you. Think back to that time where, where you were so in love with God. And just return. It's not a, it's, God's not angry. Just turn around and run into his arms.